Welcome to the Industry and Parliament Trust podcast page. My name is Rieke Green. Today we'll be discussing growing the UK AI and data-driven economy. Today I'm joined by Professor Mark Skilton, Professor of Practice, University of Warwick, and Dr Adrian Weller, Programme Director for Artificial Intelligence at Alan Turing Institute. I'm going to hand over to Mark and Adrian to introduce themselves. Thank you. Hi, I'm Professor Mark Skilton. As the introduction says, I'm working at uh, Warwick Business School, in the UK as a professor of practice specialising in digital strategy, industry director for a AI uh, innovation network that we're starting up, which is very exciting. And also as part of another part of a day job I have is I'm, uh, as if I haven't got enough to do, I'm also a global director of a Enzen Global Utility Consultancy, which is again uh, very exciting. Hi, I'm, I'm Adrian Weller. I'm the program director for artificial intelligence at the Alan Turing Institute, which is the National Institute for Data Science and AI. I'm also a Senior Research Fellow in Machine Learning at the University of Cambridge, and I'm also a Senior Research Fellow there at the Leverhulme Centre for the Future of Intelligence, where I lead a group on trust and transparency. Fantastic, and we're really happy to have you guys speaking tonight at the event. So our first question today is, how are UK businesses currently embracing AI innovation? So I hand over to you first, Mark. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a big question. Uh, I think uh, it's a question which I often ask myself every day, and I'm involved in impact studies uh, out in industry as well as uh, uh, recent publications for practitioners around AI adoption. Um, really, to answer it quickly in three areas that I'm seeing is really around uh, data insights. I think a lot of companies now have a lot of information. They're now beginning to realise they can use algorithms as a way of creating insights. But this is a challenge which we'll talk about a bit. Um, but certainly the first part of the rung is data insights. I think the second of three points I'd like to make is really around agent technology. Now, this is something that you may be familiar with chatbots or with uh, uh, sort of conversational dialogue that we're starting to have in our home with Alexa and uh, Google Home and things like this. But I'm starting to see this as a kind of a conversation layer, if you will, on top of the enterprise services. That this is um, seeing many cases from public and private sector across supply chains as well begin to realize that this is a source of automation. Now, this is different from robotic process automation, for those who are familiar with that. Um, the, I'm talking about agents that are knowledge agents, that are learning agents, which are very different, which we, I'm sure we'll probably get into this in more detail. And my last point, very quickly, is really around robotics, um, around... Um, what I call um, the sense of activation through automation. Um, I think a lot of this is around material handling, around 3D printing, really what I call the fourth industrial revolution, which was in my third book uh, that I, I wrote with Dr. Felix Hofspein, is that we're now having to think beyond the digital. I think digital is a boat that's sailed already. We're now in the intelligence era, intelligent and intelligence, which is another spin on words. Um, and I think we've got to think much more broadly as an ecosystem mindset. That's great to hear. And, um, and and Adrian, do you agree with these? Have you got sort of similar thoughts? Yeah, I think Mark's made some some excellent points. Um, maybe I just add as a as a, a thematic comment that we're really at a very exciting time for for AI um, AI development and AI deployment. So I think a bit later we're going to talk about some of the new things which are maybe coming along. But I, but I would emphasize that even with current technology, there are all sorts of very exciting applications across businesses. So just to name a few more. 
uh, in addition to the, to, the, to the very good ones that Mark's mentioned. Um, you can take current image recognition systems, combine that with probabilistic models to enable something that's called predictive maintenance of machines. So that's where you have lots of sensors which monitor what's going on in the machine. And by looking for anomalous behavior, you can tell a long time in advance which bits of machinery are likely to go wrong. That can give you a lot more efficiency in servicing just the, just the pieces of equipment which might actually go wrong and do it in advance. Um, a great example of that is in the tube tunnels. So it used to be that you'd have to have a, an engineer crawl along in the dark in the middle of the night when the trains had stopped running and look by hand for, for problems in the, in the ceiling. But now you can actually put cameras on top of the, of the tube train. So as they're going along, those sensors are automatically checking what's on the ceiling and looking to see if there's, if there's a fault. So that's, a, that's clearly a, a great improvement. Just mention very briefly some other areas. Supply chain management, um, which will enable companies to... Um, uh, to improve the abilities to order just in time and not build up excessive inventory. And thinking more broadly, there are applications um, which can influence service industries. So um, by automatically retrieving information more efficiently, we could do things like significantly improve the efficiency of legal due diligence. Fantastic. And do you think that there are still sort of challenges facing the UK when it comes to AI, along with all of these sort of positives? If so, kind of what would you say would be the, the biggest challenge? Well, I, I think if you, the question is either is for the UK or whether it's about adoption of AI in general, if I may, it's, it's a good question because <laughs> I think really the, what we're seeing probably twofold is one around is data accessible, is it in the format that machines can learn? Uh, there's obviously an ethics and um, issue around whether one should give access to certain data and all the things that have been going on in the news recently. But um, I think one of the challenges I'm seeing is probably twofold. One is around data being of the quality that machines can learn so we can get human knowledge and machine knowledge, knowledge becoming augmented, which is a whole area of evolution I'm seeing. I'm also seeing challenges around um, a great phrase I think people will find interesting is I went to a uh, organization recently and they said, nothing really goes wrong around here anymore. And I spoke to the, the man in charge, and I won't give it away any further on the point. And he said, well, 30 years ago, in my day, we used to learn through hard knocks and things went wrong, but now we're so good at automation. But the corollary of this is that people of this generation aren't learning through mistakes because through automation, ironically, they aren't actually learning all the different scenarios. So now we're seeing virtual reality training. Now we're seeing augmented reality. And what they're doing is almost having to simulate the knowledge that 20, 30 years ago they would have acquired through basic practice. You can't burn the factory down. You can't burn things or, or damage people. Because in the old days, I'm not saying this happened all the time, we're now finding there's a kind of a, a paradox, if, if you will, of this perfect kind of knowledge starting to become locked in and not actually being transferred into humans. Now, the question is whether we use that. From a UK point of view, I think the only point I would say is, without having a knock of my, my dear, my, my love of my, uh, my, my life, as it were, in the sense of uh, what I like listening to and seeing in, in San, San Francisco, Bay Area, all the sort of dynamics that are happening over there, Silicon Oasis in the Middle East as well, and obviously China and uh, Japan, is we're now seeing that really we're good at the innovation side, but it's the scaling, it's the money that I keep seeing time and time again. Never mind the Web 2.0 challenge of big clouds versus the, the small guy. I think the UK has got to think about how do we get it from the innovation cycle into the diffusion. I, I imagine, you know, Adrian, I'm sure, can, can speak to this in much, much better detail than I can. And do you see these kind of similar things being challenges? Absolutely sure. But I just want to pick up, actually, on one of the points that, that Mark made um, and perhaps expand on it a bit. So, so I think, I think he's, Mark's quite right to talk about the way that certain tasks, which are perhaps somewhat routine, 
can now be automated so that machines will be doing them. Whereas in the past, those tasks would have been part of the, in a way, the apprenticeship of people to learn their craft in order to become experts. And that would apply in many different areas, um, mechanical, physical areas where ro robots are actually doing those things, but also increasingly uh, areas that you might call knowledge work. So thinking about lawyers, in the example I gave before, if, if, um, if an algorithm is able to search through lots of legal records and find relevant case law, uh, very efficiently, then it's harder for people to actually get that experience of developing that. And that might be an important thing for them to be effective later. So that's sometimes called technological enfeeblement. It's probably a, a good problem. But, uh, but, I would, but I'd speak a bit more generally that the, the issue over time of job displacement and new job creation because of these technologies um, is an important issue. We really need to think carefully about how we can manage this disruption to ensure that we can provide an exciting and hopeful future for everyone. Um, I'd also just pick up on... Um, the aspect of maybe privacy or ethics, which Mark touched on a little bit at the beginning. For effective deployment of these algorithms across society, we really do need to think carefully about the ethical issues. That includes things such as fairness, appropriate transparency, privacy, and also need to think a little bit about the ways in which some of these algorithms are starting to influence us as humans, as we see through uh, through social media, as an example. But uh, these are big topics we can talk about more yes. later. If you like. Yeah, I'm sure there's lots to talk about. And, and earlier you kind of um, mentioned, um, Mark, the kind of Bay Area and Japan. Um, how does the UK compare to other countries? Is there anything we can learn from this? For example, with the, the scaling, is there kind of lessons that we can learn from other countries? Well, <clears throat> I always like to try and use evidence for this. And I, I confess I haven't studied all of the areas in the world, but I suddenly recently I was over in Toronto in Canada keynoting for Microsoft, which was very kind of them to invite me. And I think you just look at that as a case study, obviously with Jeffrey Hinton in, in Toronto, look at Alberto uh, about uh, and you look at um, uh, Montreal, is that you're starting to see kind of almost by osmosis some kind of the need for um, what, a, what economists use, I think, called agglomeration effect. You've got to have the skills then driving into the cycle of the local skill base to do the research as well as the in industrialization of it. And this hasn't changed with AI, ironically. I think you've still got to foster these kind of clusters, if you will. And um, I think that's where, I think it's no longer just an American phenomenon. I think everybody's kind of getting into this. Although, my last point is, I was picked up by a chap from Africa who's also got uh, roots in Jamaica and reminded me of the, the challenges still that the fourth industrial revolution was not a Western-Eastern dynamic. There was other, another continent called Africa in the middle of this as well. And so I think we've got to think about um, the role that the UK will have, how we can make it inclusive for other societies. Uh, you know, we are very fortunate to live in this country. I still believe that. And uh, and I think a great quote from uh, Professor Tim Watson from Cybersecurity in, in Warwick I always like using is, if we want to enjoy the same freedoms we have in the, the physical world, in the virtual world, we've got to have that kind of built into the way we approach things. But back to your question, I think we've got to think about the consequences of this revolution, which it is. I mean, Serge Brin from Google, I think he said this is, maybe the hairs on the back of my head go up a few days ago, and he said this is the biggest change in his lifetime. And you've got the head of Head of, you know, the, the president of uh, Alphabet saying that, then something's going on here that's not like the first, second, or third industrial revolution, or even the fourth. I think this is accelerating this into a new era. Um, and do you think, Adrian, what's your, what's your thoughts on how we compare? I don't have too much to add to that. <laughs> um, it was fairly comprehensive, but let, let me um, just, just echo Mark's comment about the importance of having a cluster of relevant skills 
uh, and potential economies of scale. Um, Canada was given as a great example, clearly also the Bay Area. I'd, I'd say Israel is clearly another great area. Um, and lots of countries are really investing very heavily into AI technology. Certainly China, France, Germany have all made big announcements recently. Um, UK is actually pretty well placed. We're lucky that we have great research centers at, at many of our universities. We also have a, uh, a very strong um, we have a very strong environment for innovation and development of companies. So we're, we're pretty well placed, but we really need to keep making sure we move forward. Otherwise, we, we, we could get left behind. And again, just, just um, to mention something on the, the point at the end about um, diversity inclusiveness, I mentioned on, on the ethical side that, um, of course, you asked if we can learn from other countries. And yeah. of course, we can always learn. There are always things we should look at in terms of innovation and in terms of, of uh of the governance, and the governance raises some interesting issues because it's really it's a complex system that we're thinking about, and it's not clear exactly what the right thing is to do, um, even if you knew exactly what you wanted to do. And different different cultures have reasonable, reasonably different perspectives on how you should think about the trade offs between individual uh, individual benefits and group benefits. So I actually think it's quite useful that different countries are adopting slightly different approaches, and we can look and see what works, and um, and then learn from that. So kind of following on from that, what excites you most about AI within businesses in the UK? What do you find most exciting? I think they're the thing, um, you know, I'm very pro-international. My, my general outlook is that, although I do believe in local economies as well. Um, I think one word to answer that would be just how exciting some of the startups we have. I mean, building on what Adrian was saying earlier, we do have this culture of innovation and invention, um, stereotypically perhaps the British mindset, which I don't think has changed. And I've met some startups in Cambridge area, in fact, um, where they're incredible the way they're, you, it's literally coming off the San Jose, they've got a big bean bag, they've got all, all the, all the trappings that you would expect to see. And I know this because I've been in both, both the Bay Area as well as the Cambridge. Oh yeah, they look just, it's just, it's like just coming back to, to San Francisco in the Bay Area. So we have this ability to be able to be very transformative. But as I said to my, my answer to my second question, it's about the diffusion and scaling. We've got to keep an eye on it. And we've got to put serious money into this. It doesn't happen by just good intentions and innovation. And, um, you know, I think the paradox, I would say, about AI is it's both, as we've heard many times, you know, Dickens is the tale of two cities or Janus, all the other things. It is within it both good and, and evil, not evil, but dangerous, potentially, in what we could do. But if we exploit this, the thing that excites me the most, is the last point, is the superhuman performance some of these things can do. If we could save people's lives, change the way we live, improve the uh, access to education and equity, that's a goal worth playing for. And that's one of the reasons why I want to do this. You know, Not only is it changing the way business needs to think about its strategy, which is the reason I wrote the third book with Felix, but actually, what I'm interested in is about exceeding that performance, but then thinking about how can we be inclusive? Because that's the prize here, I think. That's absolutely right. Um, at the beginning, we were talking about how we can accomplish great things, even with the current technology. And there's every reason to expect that that's going to continue to get stronger, even if all that happens is compute power increases and the availability of data increases, which seems very likely, we're likely to get increasingly uh, strong capabilities from our algorithmic systems, but there's 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 hope for lots more development, and uh, there are really a lot of tremendous opportunities where which should really improve people's lives. Healthcare hasn't been mentioned yet. Lots of scope for finding new ways to diagnose conditions at scale, and perhaps even find new cures for diseases to improve transport. Lots of very exciting areas. So I think that with our uh, 
with our, our involvement with real centers of research excellence and with the support of government, there's a lot for us to look forward to. No, it sounds very exciting. I'm looking forward to hearing you guys speak this evening. Thank you so much for joining us.